What's up, Main Streeters? This is the Main Street Insiders podcast, where we discuss personal finance, economics, and investing for the America First crowd. Together, we can learn to live more, spend less, and own our future. Let's roll. Welcome to Main Street Insiders. I am Luke Perlot. I am Jeff Perlot. And today is our interview with Justin Danhoff, the head of corporate governance at Strive Asset Management and one of the top experts on conservative shareholder activism in the world. Strive Asset Management was started to give investors alternatives to the Wall Street cartel. Prior to joining Strive, Justin held numerous positions at the National Center for Public Policy Research, including director of the Free Enterprise Project and most recently as the executive vice president. He is one of the nation's leading corporate activists with vast experience in shareholder engagement and proxy voting. Justin's work has been widely published and quoted in major newspapers, including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. He's also appeared on the Fox News Channel, One America News Network, among others. So big business is one of the most powerful institutions in America, arguably even more powerful than government. And we've seen a concerted effort on the left to take over big business. And Justin breaks down how this happened. Everyone talks about getting out to vote for politicians, but not a lot of people realize that companies are democracies too. Shareholders have the right to vote and we need to start using it. And Justin explains how we can do that. And it goes beyond shareholder votes because for the last decade, Justin has been in the room at shareholder meetings, usually the only conservative voice in the room. And Justin would like to see more conservatives adopt his playbook. And you'll hear what that means. And before we dive in, we just want to let everyone know that you can go to MainStreetInsiders.com to download a free resource explaining the America First economic principles. And with that, here is my interview with Justin Danhoff. I just wanted to start with like businesses used to be one of the few institutions that was still somewhat conservative and kind of traditional. And now everything's gone completely woke and like crazy woke, like we support voting fraud woke and we support grooming woke. And it's just like, how, how in the world did we get here? If I'm being blunt and I lived in the conservative movement for, you know, 12 plus years, uh, we were asleep at the switch. Right. While we were busy, you know, going to work, going to church, raising our families, um, you know, putting food on the dinner table, the left was marching through the institutions. And, you know, I, I don't think it's too late to reverse that trend, but we've got they've got a big head start. We'll put it that way. And I, I just think it's really that simple. The left were very intentional in trying to take over, you know, the institutions. You can think of them cultural lanes, if you will. Um, I mean, think about how many churches are woke in the United States of America these mm-hmm. days, right? Like, I mean, when you can't even turn to religion for for a pillar, we've got a real problem. But that was it was very smart, very intentional, but also very evil. That, that that's mm-hmm. kind of how I, I define the way the left. And again, they just march to the institutions. You can take academia in the '60s. Um, you can you can you know go back further with Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. You can fast forward to social media. And again, a lot of this was. A lot of it was set up sort of as a bait and switch, right? Like, did Facebook set out to be like the most woke social media platform to ever exist? I don't think they did. I think they set out to be like, get the biggest user base and get the the highest level of engagement. And then they decided they could have the power of what you can see and what truth is and what truth isn't, right? And so that, you know, Google, 
built the best search algorithm bar none. You know, that you know, do, does anyone remember Alta Vista? Like I, I think I remember the name, but like I don't know if I ever used it. Right. And then they used the power to decide, you know, that if you type in men can, like the third thing is get mm-hmm. pregnant. Yeah. It's gotten pretty nuts. So in terms of, you know, we were asleep at the switch. What exit in terms of taking over corporate America and making it woke, like what were the components? What were the pillars of that campaign? Yeah. So I like to think of the left's march through the corporate lane as as a tripart takeover. Um, It's top down, it's bottom up and it's outside in. So from the top down perspective, this very much parallels with what happened in um, higher education in the 1960s, where they set up this thing called tenure. Now, tenure was supposed to be to allow for professors to have academic freedom to, you know, research more, investigate more, you know, publish more. Really, it was set up to blackball conservatives and traditional minded Americans from getting lifelong tenure at the academy. That's really what it was all about. So what do we have here in corporate America? Well, the left, again, very smart, but very evil. They did things like they bought out some of the large search firms that Fortune 500 companies use to find board members. You know, confidentially, one of the biggest companies in America, I filed a, a true board diversity resolution that is um, diversity of thought, viewpoint, ideological perspective with this company uh, some years back. And the general counsel called me and he says, Justin, you're over the target of a problem that I guarantee you, you don't know how big it is. And I said, explain this. And he said, look, the firms that we use to find new board members, companies of like our size, the left bought all of them up. He's like, if we have an open board seat, we get 13 died in the world leftists before we'll get a moderate to interview. And so that's how you get to the point where, like, if you look at finance, the board members with previous political experience of any kind, even the lowest level, it's like an 85-15 split Democrat-Republican right now. In tech, it's about the same split. And in the fortune one through 10, it's literally 100 to zero. And so if you want to know why there's these monolithic left-leaning boards, It's because the left worked intentionally to do that. And I mean, if you think about it from a living in the D.C. bubble for so long, we, you know, we like to think that everything's this revolving door. Right. Well, tell me, where are all the Trump administration officials sitting on corporate boards compared with all the Obama administration officials? Right. And that should just tell you everything you need to know about the intentional top down takeover of corporate America outside in. That's the world that I lived in for the last 12 years before I joined up with Strive Asset Management. You know, and that's the activist organizations that engage in business. So from the shareholder activism perspective, where I was at at the Free Enterprise Project, we were a voice of one for over a dozen years from right of center engaging business that way, where dozens and dozens of affinity groups on the left, some very well capitalized from like, you know, the SEIU and, you know, the Teamsters to state pensions in, you know, California, New York, et cetera all in actual asset managers, all engaged just in shareholder activism. And that's only one pillar of outside engagement, right? There's all these surveys, you know, you can't, there are Fortune 500 companies now have to have entire divisions that are all about responding to survey questions. And they're from outside organizations. And they're meant to be a carrot and a stick to influence corporate behavior, right? Well, look, you only got a D on our survey this year, but if you change these three things, you know, if you up your percentage of Latin X and black employees by next year, you're going to get a better mark on this metric. But, you know, these kind of survey questions, they're not getting them from right of center organizations saying, where are you with our values? So they're hearing from so much outside noise that after a while, it begins to make sense why they, you know, engage and do the bidding of the, these other organizations. And so that's the outside in problem. The bottom up problem is actually the most vexing. 
Um, and the most re- the, the recent example at Disney speaks to this really, really well. And so the bottom up problem is whenever I would engage with C-suite folks and ask them, you know, why do you take um, far left position ABC or XYZ? It, it, it just can't be that, you know, you guys all decided at the same day that we're just going to become, you know, tools of the political left. And they always give me the same answer. They say, Justin, that's what our employees want us to do. Of course, this is nonsense. It's a squeaky wheel approach, right? Uh, but again, if you take over the top and the squeaky wheel on the bottom gives them the cover to do what the top wants to do anyway, well, there you go. You've got a self-perpetuating you know, circle, echo chamber there. The solution I gave them, it turns out this Disney example, that my solution was always wrong, unfortunately. I always gave them this. I said, look, why don't you just pull all of your employees silently? Like on these issues, say, do you want us to be engaged? If so, how do you want us to be engaged? Because I guarantee you're probably going to find close to a one-third, one-third, one-third split. One-third say engage this way. The other say engage that way. And the other third are like, why the heck would we engage at all? Right? Like that's what I thought you would find if you would do that. Well, when Disney came out pro-groomer in Florida, whatever you want to call it, and when they got involved in the ill-defined don't say gay bill, which never says gay, they said they were doing it at the will of their employees. Well, a group of anonymous employees published a, a public letter saying, you know, our values are trampled on every single day here. Like, you know, Disney employees, a conservative bent of faith. We just don't feel welcome. Everything you're doing is opposite to us. And yes, we know management sent around a survey on these issues a couple months ago, but none of us answered because we were too afraid. Think about that. They were afraid that HR would go to IT and they'd be digitally footprinted if they responded to a so-called anonymous survey. So that's the fear that literally lives within employees at Disney, but at you know Coca-Cola, at Facebook, at everywhere. If they share traditional values, they can't live their true self at the workplace. And in fact, they have to conform to something that is diametrically opposed to their worldview. That's a really, really cancerous situation. And we've got to, you know, when we talk about woke capitalism or whatever, the American capitalist system is still the greatest system ever created by man. So we really ought to focus on how do we kill this cancer without killing the host? That's, the, that's what we need to solve for. And that's what, at Strive Asset Management, we're hoping to solve for by being a business that's upstream of many of these American corporations that are straying very far from their missions. So that's a great segue. And I do want to loop back to kind of, so everything you said about top down, but especially the bottom up and the, and that outside in, I would love for us to loop back around to how main streeters can, can be a part of, of doing that on the right. But before we get to that, since you mentioned Strive Asset Management, first, uh, tell us a little bit about Strive. And then I would love to talk about the institutional investor, because obviously, so that we got a couple things going on. Number one, institutional investors are the majority investors in most of the S&P 500 companies. And then what remains of the retail investors, they're only voting 30% of their retail. You know, The retail investors are only voting 30% of their shares. And they, they oftentimes own only 20 to 40% of the company. Institutional owns 60 to 80 and is voting at a 90% rate. Structurally, that just feels like a lot to have to fight back against. And kind of, I know Strive is a start, but like, how do we get going down this road of sort of breaking that up? Yeah, well, look, obviously, we've got that 70% vote gap that we need to close, right? Even if they own 20 to 40%, like the management needs to hear more from them. 
right? Because, you know, and, and I'll get to, let me get to Strive in a second, but I think that, you know, 2021, there was two shareholder resolutions at the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. One of them was focused on the E of ESG. The other was focused on the S. And Warren Buffett and the board were very, very much opposed to both resolutions. They both got like mid to high 20s, if memory serves. But what Buffett said about these proposals afterwards is very insightful. He said, by and large, the people that invested in Berkshire with their own money voted against these proposals. The folks that voted for these resolutions used other people's money to do it. And so that's that's the problem in a nutshell that you know that you're talking about. How do we solve? But it's very important because if people close that 70% gap, again, as you said, you know, retail investors only vote at about a 30% clip, that will give other CEOs more cover to say, actually, guys, when people vote that are you know using their own money, they're against this. So yeah, the vote may look outsized, but the real vote, the vote of you know actual people that are in, have skin in the game that aren't using their other people's money as a weaponization of capital, I think that will give a lot of ground cover, quite actually, to CEOs that feel forced to take actions at the behest of Larry Fink because their retail investors aren't showing up and using their vote. So I, I think that's a very important point to make, and that's what main streeters can do and should be doing in much larger numbers than they are. Folks on the right love to talk about property rights, right? We, like we can all cite the Kilo case like at the drop of a hat. Well, like, guess what? Shareholder rights are property rights. So you're ignoring your own property rights. Like you wouldn't ignore 70% of your house and just let people start squatting in it, would you? Why are you ignoring, you know, 70% of, of this part of, of your property ownership? So that's that's that point. And then we at Strive Asset Management, we hope to be a market solution to some of this fiduciary gap because we do see it as a fiduciary gap, right? Where, you know, we used to have a problem of a separation of ownership and control, but fiduciary law solves for that, right? The shareholders own the company, but we don't, they don't operate it. Management and the board does. Well, fiduciary law quite literally says in a biblical sense, that you have to be a steward of those shareholders' assets as you manage the company. So that that was a 21st century problem that you know was solved by common law and fiduciary law that got built up. In this century, we've got well, it's a 20th century problem. In this century, we've got a separation of not ownership and control, but of ownership and ownership. Okay, so when we've got you know the everyday you know nurse, firefighter, police officer, teacher. They're invested in a pension. Well, then their pension fund manager puts that money into BlackRock and BlackRock, State Street and Vanguard use their voice and their vote that is completely antithetical to what the will of that everyday American looks like. If they were made apprised of it, they would be appalled. There is an education gap between those two, but we see it mostly as a fiduciary problem. So again, the, you know, the end user, the everyday American their money is being weaponized through the ownership that BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard hold over their capital to, again, use their voice and their vote. And it's not always just the shareholder vote, by the way. You know, BlackRock will engage business. That's what they call it. They, you know, they actually count their annual engagements, right? And basically, that is a twist of the arm that, hey, these shareholder resolutions are coming down the pipe, and we're going to vote for them. But if you just get out in front of it, and you fix this part of the E by declaring that you're going to be, you know, net zero by arbitrary date, 
or you know you're going to change your the composition of your board in ways that people look different and have different sexual preferences but who cares how they actually like think or anything like that but you you do those things and maybe you can avoid us voting on that resolution later down there. it's really just a shakedown racket in that way and so what we want to do at Strive Asset Management is be the market solution to that because we will use the voice and the vote to restore the voice of everyday Americans in corporate boardrooms. That's our that's our goal. That's our mission. It's ambitious. We're clear-eyed that it's not going to be simple. Uh, we're clear-eyed that we're taking on, frankly, some of the largest, most powerful companies in the history of mankind. But look, we think they have a fiduciary problem and we're going to solve it for them. I love it. Going back to the retail shareholder participation, if, if just let me know if I'm hearing you right. You just kind of feel like that would be a leading indicator for CEOs. So even though it's a minority of the votes, they're going to see what's happening in those votes, and they're going to be like, "We have to pay attention." Is that correct? It'll give them ground. It'll give them cover because yeah. look, not all of these CEOs that act super woke and go on CNBC and you know bend the knee and say the right thing of you know whatever the most recent headline is in in, in the social sphere. A lot of them want cover. A lot of them just feel very trapped right now. And they, they are in some sense. I mean, granted, a lot of them are spineless to feel trapped because they aren't actually. Um, but if, if the volume of noise is all coming from one direction, um, it's the path of least resistance. So we need to you know, create the noise on the other side that creates the off-ramp. Frankly, they can just take the off-ramp and choose you know, neither side uh, of whatever is being debated in the headlines that day that rightly belongs in the political sphere, right? There are places in American society where debate should be fostered and elevated. And, you know, the fact that Congress has like essentially abdicated some of that to corporate CEOs is appalling. Um, but really, it, it should get back. It, it should get back to that because what we also think we're doing is helping to solve for a divided body policy, right? Like they, we are screaming at each other everywhere. Like go to your next school board meeting and, and you know, bring, bring earplugs, right? Like it's just, it's everywhere constantly all the time. And wouldn't it be great if the capital markets and, and, and commerce generally were a place where like we already have, you know, red coffee and blue coffee, right? You know, red jeans and blue jeans. That's a bad example, but you get my point, right? Like, <laughs> If we get to a point in America where we have like red Major League Baseball and blue Major League Baseball, red NFL and blue NFL, we are that might be that might be the end of the experiment. Right. We may as well, then we can just throw in the towel. We're not there yet. Right. We're not we're not there yet. But we're just trying to create that space where Americans, you know, gay, straight, black, white, red, blue can engage in the capital markets without their money being used in this, in a, in a weaponized, politicized way. What are Stripe's kind of overall goals and kind of how do you hope to get there? And, and I'm asking in the sense of, do you hope to just maybe have a, an influence that that is way bigger than how much you have under management? Or do you hope that you know, like, I guess what I'm asking is in the ideal world, how do you see the asset management industry and sort of corporate governance? What does that look like to you if, if all of your goals are met? Yeah. So, I mean, our goal is to take on BlackRock directly where they sit. Right. And so, yeah, our, we're going to have products for those who are interested starting in the third quarter of this year. 
um, you know, come to strivefunds.com and just stay connected with us, you know, sign up for our emails and you'll get specific information that I can't get into now because we're in our pre-registration phase and you, you get all of that. The SEC, SEC, you know, they're, they're, we're, we're in that process at the moment, but we think by providing a direct and honest voice of everyday Americans that there's going to be a big market for that. We, we expect that there will be, um, whether that's, you know, monetary or not, it doesn't actually matter as much. It's more, these people feel silenced because they are silenced and we want to give their voice back to them. And again, when we talked about earlier about, you know, Facebook and Google pulling a bait and switch, so did Larry Fink, by the way. Okay. In 2018, he wrote his annual letter to CEOs. He made that switch saying, you know, generally the passive, the large passives have abstained from voting unless there was something really important and extraneous because it's presumptuous to vote on behalf of tens of millions of disparate individuals with one monolithic vote, right? But presumptuous is what in 2018 Fink decided he could be because beforehand he just built up the largest asset management company in the world. Like he was just building the best, biggest. And once he got as big as he did, he pulled a bait and switch. Said, now we're going to do all this. And every year he ramps up the voice and the vote more and more and more for ESG causes. Here's the comical rub though. A, well, A, first, we're not going to pull a bait and switch on people ever. We are, you know, you you come to Strive, you know exactly what the voice and the vote's going to look like. That's point number one. Point number two, though, is that Fink's also lying. He's just lying through his teeth when he says what he's doing is, you know, on behalf of his clients and his clients' interests. But actually, if you break down the assets under management that, you know, people put their money into BlackRock specifically for ESG, it's less than 2%. So less than 2% of the money in BlackRock is invested specifically for ESG reasons. Now, even if you gave them the benefit of the doubt of a, a, a factor of five, say, so we'll just say it's 10% of folks, like they're, they're true believers in what Fink is doing. Heck, you could give it a factor of 10 and say it's 20%. That's still either 90 or 80% of the money that's invested in BlackRock that, Jeff, I'm just going to guess, they're invested to make money. They're not invested for a politicized purpose. And so you know, that's just it. He, he pulled a bait and switch on folks. Every year he ramps up the efforts and he's lying about it. We will never lie to you at Strive. So will you have index products or it will be all actively managed or are you even able to talk about that? Right now we can say what's in our, our, our first prospectus, which we, we will have um, ETFs starting in, in the third quarter. And we hope to, um, we, we've got three that, you know, in our first prospectus. And we think that your audience will find all of them very, very enticing. What are the marching orders to Main Streeters to, to be a part of this, to help make a difference? and to turn this around? Yeah, so I think it's gonna take a little bit of courage. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna lie there. I, I think that what Americans in the workplace are doing by keeping their voice silent is not helpful. Because truly, if you just you know came out as a conservative Christian at Disney and like lived your values there, and they attempted to take action against you, just call any lawyer, the first three lawyers in the phone book. Like, you, you know, you, you cannot be fired for, you know, your, who you are as an innate person. Like, you just, you just can't. 
And maybe we're going to need some people to go on offense and start filing actual hostile work environment lawsuits against these corporations. Because being dragged into a room and told you, being told based on what you look like, that you're either an oppressor or oppressed, by the way, that's hostile to both sides of, of that you know, table. So I think it's going to take a little bit of courage on behalf of some individuals to start suing companies because suing suing can have a real like stifling effect really, really quickly. And then again, retail investors, it takes one share of a publicly traded company to attend the annual meetings. And, you know, I've been I've attended, you know, I lost track at some point, you know, three, four hundred annual meetings over the years. And it's basically a room of every liberal affinity, you know, interest that you can think of. And then it would be me. And it's just these businesses here from one side regularly and constantly and all the time. And so if they're not hearing from your perspective, why do you think that they should, you know, bow to it? And then again, like, look where your finances are, right? And so, you know, we can talk about banks that, you know, debank their own clients, like Citi and Bank of America. Like, Again, these are happening at, you know, the the high up corporate level in Charlotte and Manhattan. But your regional bank manager doesn't want to be bothered to hear about all this, but they should be. Why? Because if the regional bank managers hear enough about this, you know, that this is upsetting their own clients and they're closest to the clients, the next time they have the ear of someone in the C-suite, they can say, hey, by the way, what you guys are doing in Charlotte and Manhattan that has a trickle down effect to real main streeters and they're angry and they want, they're threatening to take their mortgage elsewhere to take this, you know, this, that, or the other, you know, account elsewhere. And so I think those, those conversations at the local level, you might not think so, but believe me, they will have ramifications that are, that are more than you think. And so I would just encourage those local conversations to be happening as well, because yeah, as an investor, show up and yell at Brian Moynihan at Bank of America if you have one share, sure. But also talk to your local bank manager. I, I think those are important conversations that frankly aren't being had. Heck, next time you get on a Delta flight, just you know, chew the ear of the pilot for three minutes before you take off and say, Hey, what's wrong with voter integrity? Give me a little, give me a little color on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because they don't, you know, the companies are putting them in a bad spot too if we start having more of these conversations. Do you think a lot of this just ends up being an education gap then? Just, we got to get the word out, get people involved, just like any traditional sort of activism? Yeah, and again, this isn't even a left-right issue in the tr- in the sense that like, it's an American ideal to retire with dignity, right? Mm-hmm. So again, if you're a crazy wackadoo liberal middle school teacher in San Francisco who teaches CRT and all these awful other, you know, three-letter acronyms to kids, you want to retire as much as like the MAGA hat wearing firefighter in suburban Texas, right? They, they have the same end goal. And so, you know, this is why when you poll folks on this, folks from the right, center and left, they actually all want their money invested for pecuniary reasons not for politicized reasons. So we just need to reach all of those different, you know, everyday Americans to let them know what's happening with their money because those conversations they need to then have with their pension fund managers because there's actually the true fiduciary breacher in this situation um, because if they're the ones, they're the ones who can actually talk with Larry Fink and his team 
the, you know, the firefighter is going to have a more difficult time making that direct line of, of communication. And so the fund managers themselves need to start telling, think, hey, our people don't want this. Knock it off. Seems like it wouldn't take that many calls, too. When you know, when Steve Bannon says, call your call your congressperson, like they're used to getting calls. It, it seems like that pension manager would only need 10 calls and that would just turn their week upside down, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it wouldn't I, even take that much. Yeah, okay. I, I think everyday Americans, they they may be think that this is too big of a hill, like this is a Sisyphusian like task that I can't take on. It's a couple phone calls and you can yeah. like literally change the course of history. Because again, if we get these, if the capital markets get too far out of hand and business gets completely captured, what's left of the American experiment? Not much. Well, we will end there. That was awesome. I got so much more to ask you, but hopefully we can, uh, connect down the road because I, I have a bunch of wonky questions I want to ask you too. But in the meantime, uh, just remind us where Main Streeters can connect with you and with Strive. Yeah, come to strivefunds.com. Uh, sign up for our emails right there. And I'm on Twitter at Justin Danhoff. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. And that's how the interview went down. The first takeaway is that if you own stock, Start paying attention to your proxy statements and make sure you vote your shares, which by the way, we give you all the dates and information for the hundred largest companies for free at MainStreetInsiders.com slash proxy. That alone is going to start influencing companies. Then the next step that Justin mentioned is that pension fund holders need to make their voice heard. We talk all the time about calling our political representatives and they get tons of calls, but your pension fund manager doesn't get any calls. They have as much responsibility to represent your interests as any politician. So call them. It might only take a handful of calls to shift billions of dollars away from the Wall Street cartels, or at least shift the voting of those shares away from the Wall Street cartels. And if you want to go even a step further, you can attend shareholder meetings for companies you own. If you're the type of person who would go to a school board meeting, then this is a great solution for you to get involved as well. All it takes, as Justin mentioned, is one share and you can be asking questions directly to the CEO and to the board of directors. And right now, usually the only people going to these meetings are woke ESG activists, and that's the way it's been for decades. We need to change that. And again, you can learn more about how to do this at MainStreetInsiders.com slash proxy. We want to influence these companies and give them an off-ramp from political issues, but we also need to be prepared for those companies to continue to target Main Streeters anyway. Justin is against total boycotts, and we agree on that. We do think that you should shift your spending away from companies that don't align with your values and shop local as much as you can. These are big companies, but mainstreeters have tremendous influence. We discussed this a lot in our article, Facing Giants, which you can find at mainstreetinsiders.com slash newsletter. It's time to start ratcheting up the pressure. This is the way. This is the way. Thanks for joining us on Main Street Insiders. It would mean a lot to us if you subscribe and share this podcast so that more Main Streeters can discover how to live more, spend less, and own their future. Visit MainStreetInsiders.com to receive our free weekly newsletter, get show notes, and download our guide to the top four principles of a healthy and vibrant America First economy. Until next time, God bless and God bless America. America.